0: Go to John 11 if you would, please. I want to give you a good message tonight, post-Easter message about belief and faith. And We're going to start in John chapter 11. Stay in the book of John except for just a few verses. John chapter 11. We read this Sunday morning. Jesus says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I want to ask you that question right now. Let's read it again. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? How many believe that tonight? That if we put our faith in the cross, and we put our faith in Jesus, we'll be saved. Period. Somebody say period. Period. Exclamation point. Amen? You can't do anything to add to that. You can only believe what Jesus did on the cross. There was a man who was struggling hard in school to pass a test. Everybody's been there. And... Everybody's hated that. And they had this humongous exam coming up, this humongous project he was doing. And he worked on it really hard. He spent a lot of time on it. He spent weeks on it. And uh, hours every day doing it and, and, and putting all his effort into it and studying and, 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 and going to the library and finding every angle that he could get. So when he got there, he would get an amazing grade. He was a, he was a student that really wanted to excel and he did this for weeks, and finally the time for the test came. And as this man got to school, he presented his uh, presentation, his project, and he did an amazing job on it. And he thought, "Man, I'm going to get a 100 on this thing." And the next day, they went back into class, and he got his thing back, and he got a zero. a zero. Not a 40 or a 50, or even a 60. He got a zero. He was totally, as you can imagine, mad, disappointed, blown away, couldn't understand why in the world he got a zero. He went to his teacher after the class in anger and said, Teacher, I, I, I studied for weeks in, in, on this and put hours of effort into this. I did everything I could to get a good, a good grade on this. How in the world could you not at least give me a grade? How in the world would you give me a zero? He said, you did a great job on that project, but it was the wrong subject. That's what we do when we try to put works to be saved. You can do it till the day you die. You can try to be good enough, but you're never going to line up if you leave the cross out. If you are not on the cross and your eyes and your affection is not on what Jesus did on that cross, you are on the wrong subject. And you will stand before God someday, and He will give you a zero, meaning incomplete. Because He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in Me shall never die. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the book of, sorry, chapter 19 real quick. I want to just follow this up. You know, they say on Easter, you know, a lot of people go to church religiously. And I like to say that the following service is the true test of of a good church. Amen. The next service, not Sunday, that Sunday of Easter, but the following service, which a lot of times would be the following Sunday. This is a good Wednesday night t- turnout. Amen. So we're not religious in here tonight. We're what we call believers. How many are believers in here tonight? Amen. How many are believers in here tonight? Amen. Not Christians, believers. We are believers tonight. Amen. Someone asked you that. You know that word Christian can be watered down a lot. I'm a believer. He didn't say he who is a Christian. says he who believes in me. I'm a believer. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe he is not there. Can you say amen? He is risen tonight. Amen? Let's look at this real quick. This is a follow-up to Sunday. I want to read quite a few verses. So get your Bibles open and look on with somebody. We're going to go to the end of when Jesus is dying on the cross. And you know what? We need to read this more often than Easter. You know what? You ought to read the book of John about once a month. You ought to go back and read the book of John, regardless of whatever else you're reading, read the book of John over and over again, because it's about salvation. And it reminds us what Jesus did for us. Amen? So on the cross, in verse 28, it says, After this Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, the Scripture that the scripture might be fulfilled, He said, I thirst. Now, I'm not going to look at this particular one, but when he says now that the scripture would be fulfilled, church, we are reading the completion of the prophetic spoken over Jesus that gives verification to the faith that we have tonight. Okay, I want you to understand that tonight. I want you to understand that Jesus was not an afterthought. That Jesus did not come along as a, oh, it's not working out. Let's do something else. Jesus was planned ever since the beginning. Amen? He was there. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the verb is Jesus. So Jesus was not an afterthought. The cross was not a thought. The cross was not a oh, we messed up, let's do something else. The tomb is not an afterthought. It was a plan. And so we see here, just starting off, he says, that it might be fulfilled from the Old Testament, I thirst. Now, a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. And Jesus, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, what I like to say is the most powerful words in the Bible. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I love that because Jesus was not killed. Jesus was not killed. Jesus gave his life. For God so loved the world that he gave he didn't say, for God so loved the world that He'd let the world kill Him. He says, for God so loved the world that He gave Amen. His only begotten Son. Amen? Amen? Follow with me. And He gave up His Spirit. Now watch this. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. I'm mean, going to understand that that was happening because if they didn't break their legs, they would be there for days. They would slowly and, and, and very painfully die that death of, of uh, as, as, how do you say, it, asphyxiation, because they would try to have to push up on those legs to grab that breath, and it would last for days sometimes. They didn't want to have bodies on the cross during the Sabbath. So they went to these soldiers, or these criminals, sorry, and they broke their legs. They broke their can you imagine having your legs broken? We're already in pain as it is. They break their legs. Both the, both, both the criminals, watch this, and then it says, Then the soldiers came and broke the legs, verse 32, of the first and the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead. Why? Because he gave his life. He said, it is finished. He didn't wait to die. He said, I'm done. Amen? That's God. Amen? That's the gospel. And it says he was already dead. So they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water came out. Watch this. And he who has seen has testified. And his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. Watch this. So that you may what? Believe. So that you may believe believe, now this is going to get cool here, watch I want to show you some cool things, verse 36 for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled again, this is not an accident, this is not an afterthought this is planned, it says not one of his bones shall be broken now we're not going to go to this one, but I'm going to go to another one in a second, that comes from Psalms thirty-four nineteen and 20, if you want to write that down, he's quoting the Psalms we were told that and really brought it to light by, to us by our friend from Israel, Zeev, that has come here several times. And he, he uh, you know, is a Jew that has converted to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And he showed us that when he was quoting those scriptures, he was quoting Old Testament... Uh, verses, and he said, "Whenever it says that," and he gave some verses on one one message he gave out of Isaiah, Isaiah that was very powerful. So it says, "Not one of his bones shall be broken." So watch this. Pay attention to this. This is what's amazing. If that soldier would have hastily gone and broken the legs of Jesus Christ, Scripture would have been annulled. We don't we don't understand how important it is that we're believing in something that is real. Okay. It, it, it's, it could have easily changed or been messed up or been manipulated by the fact that his... It could have been like, oops, we broke his legs. But no, he was already dead. So they went to break his legs and God, through the Holy Spirit, told that soldier, he's already dead. And then he grabbed the spear, not knowing what he was doing, but he was being led by the Holy Spirit and pierced him in his side, just like the Bible says. And I tell you all the time, it's amazing to think that that was being acted out, not by a movie script. Not by a drama or a theater thing. It was being done in real life. And unless it was true, if it wasn't true, those, th- those people would have had to have been doing what? Acting out the, the Bible. They would have had to have been reading it like a script and say, okay, the, uh, Psalms 34, 19, 20 says, soldier, that you're not supposed to break his legs. So don't break his legs. And then it says in the Old Testament, too, that we get got to pierce him in his side. So go get this. It's like a, it'd have to be like a script. But it's not a script. It was truth. And it was gospel and is what saved us, church. Because it was fulfilling the Old Testament. Can you say amen? It was our destiny for Jesus to die on the cross because we're Barabbas. And we needed a Savior. Watch this. Go with me to the book of Zechariah. I know it's a little bit hard to find. It's in the Old Testament near the end. I want you to see this. I want everybody to go that's got a Bible to the book of Zechariah. Because the following verse, as you're looking for Zechariah, says... Another scripture says, They shall look on him whom they pierced. I want to look at Zechariah chapter 12 real quick. It's not very far from where we're at. In my Bible, it's about 200 pages. Zechariah chapter 12. Give me an amen when you get there. I just thought this would be a good follow-up to Easter. Just to give you some stuff that will just build your faith up. If you don't already have faith... How many, God, how many know God wants us to walk with faith? He wants us to know that we're not doing this religiously, that we're not believing religiously, but we believe. We really believe. I don't know about you, but I really believe this. With all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And as we get to Zechariah, I want you to think about something tonight. I'm going to get real deep into your backyard for a second. I want to ask you a question. Robert mentioned at the prayer, the persecution that's going on around the world, the things that are happening right now, people's people's faith are being tested and they're being killed and they're being murdered for their faith. Can you imagine a question? I'm not even going to go tonight to pain or death. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a question. How much do you really believe in Jesus? I'm going to ask you to... Uh, if you have a house that you own if you don't have a house you own a car you own or something but if someone came to you and said I want to see how much you really believe in this Jesus you're talking about would you give your house for him? would you give your possessions for him? Would you give everything you had? Would you, not even your life, but would you give something up? Like Would you sign over? Like if, if not, not that we would do that as betting people, but if someone came to you and said, you, you have to sign your mortgage over to me. You have to sign your car over to me. You have to sign this over to me. To, if, if you don't really believe, fine. But if you really believe, I want you to put, put your house on it. We need to ask ourselves, could I do that? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Because that's where you find out, man, I really am a believer. Or, oh, man, I'm fooling myself. How many don't want to be fooling themselves? Amen. I'm not trying to even go to, to, go to the, the route of, hey, I'm going to cut your head off, or I'm going to shoot you, or I'm going to kill you. Just something that's real important to you. Because we saw in the Bible a whole lot of times that Jesus would come to people, like that rich young ruler, and he says, hey, I want you to go sell all your possessions and follow me. And that man went away sad. He didn't really believe. I I can tell you tonight, I believe I would do it. I would give everything up. I would give everything I own because I believe in my heart that these scriptures are true. So John says, as it was written, they pierced him in his side and every eye would see him. Now watch this. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Look at these words. It's amazing. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of, look at this, grace. I bet you a lot of you did not know that the word grace was in the Old Testament. Grace and supplication, because we think of grace being a New Testament thing. And he's prophesying about the spirit of grace coming. We're living right now in the spirit, in the, sorry, in the grace period. In the time of Grace. Meaning that we are saved by grace. You have to understand that in the Old Testament, they weren't saved by grace. They were saved by works. They were saved by obeying what, what the had, they had to do for, for forgiveness of sins and for all those different things. Grace was not around. We are the blessed people to be living in the, what's called the dispensation of grace. Grace. Which is the 2,000 year period that we are in, that we know it could any day end and start the tribulation, and that grace period would be over. But this is being said in the Old Testament that grace would come to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Go with me. Then they will look at this, will look on me, capital M, whom they pierced. Jesus is speaking through Zechariah in the book of Zechariah it's not a third person thing it says they will look on me whom they pierced church Psalms was written 1000 years before Jesus came on the scene before Jesus came from heaven and was born of the virgin and came on the earth and lived the life that he lived 1000 years that's a long time It was prophesied way, way before... That I'm going to do this. I'm going to come down from heaven. And I'm going to... Think about this for a second. I I can't get past this. It's like you start thinking... How could God... Really go with me on this for a second. How could God... God... Even though we can't really grasp that. We're trying. God, supernatural... All-knowing... Omnipresent... Omnipotent... Meaning all-powerful... All-everywhere all-knowing God, we can't even grasp our minds as we try to do that, how could God connect with us? Think about that. You put yourself in the place of God. Okay? You put yourself in the place of God for a second, and you are God, and you are looking down on your creation, and you are thinking, how can I connect with these people? There's nothing that, watch this, there's nothing that I can do from up here that will connect with them. I can shoot lightning in the sky. I can put rainbows in the sky. I can flood the earth. Come on, somebody's going to get this here. I can flood the earth with water. I can throw fire down from heaven. I can do all kinds of things. Is anybody, is anybody following me? Somebody, somebody's grabbing this. So he's like, oh, okay, I know where you're going now. Okay, I got gotcha. you. He could do all those things. He could fling the stars in the sky and say, your descendants are going to be like those stars. But how can I really connect... besides besides doing these amazing things and they go wow how can I really connect to humanity I'm going to have to become I'm going to have to become human I have had revelation in the last few years that I never had before on that fact and you've heard me mention it quite a bit in the last six months God did not know what it meant to be human Wrap your mind around that for a second. Yes, he's omniscient. Yes, he's all-knowing. But he said the only way I can connect with these people is to actually go down and be born of them. Walk in a fleshly body, have fleshly feelings of anger and jealousy and things thrown at me temptations and all. It's the only way I can connect to humanity is to become one of them. And that's why that verse I read Sunday is so powerful. He who knew no sin became sin for me so that I could be the righteousness of God. Lord Jesus. Are you listening to that? He who knew no sin became sin. He who was perfect and and God of the universe said, I'm going down. It's the only way I can connect. And I'm going to become human and then I'm going to set this, these people free as I die and let Barabbas go the Bible never tells us anything about what Barabbas does with his freedom meaning most likely he did nothing with it you see the story in Mark chapter 5 and I'm not, you don't need to go there but with the, the man at the Gadarenes a demon possessed man who had legions of demons if you remember the story he was messed up, man. He had thousands of demons and the Bible says that those demons went into the pigs and the Bible tells about him that once he was set free, he became the first evangelist of the New Testament and went into 10 cities preaching the gospel. But we never see anything about Barabbas. Why? Because there's a whole lot of Barabbases today don't understand how real and serious this is that God would come down from heaven and he who knew no sin would become sin for me that I would become the righteousness of God if I would what believe if I would just believe I may give me a few more minutes if I would just believe I haven't even got to what I want to show you yet so let's finish this I didn't even finish this verse And the spirit of grace and supplication that they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes. They will mourn for who? Him. Did they mourn for him at the cross? Yes. His mother and his disciples mourned for him. Watch this. As one mourns for his what? His only son. And grieve for him, capital H, as one grieves for a firstborn. I'm trying to get you, church, to fall in love with the Word of God. Because it's amazing. If you're just coming to church and you're superficially, just kind of hanging out and just showing up, you're never going to get it. But if you just begin to say, God, reveal your Word to me. Really show me that this is not just some book. This is the most verifiable document that was ever written in the history of the world. And it is God's manual for my life and it is everything that I need to make it in life, you will have a change. You will realize I am Barabbas, but I'm not going to stay Barabbas. I'm going to do something with this salvation that Jesus has given me. I tell other people about the Lord. Let's go back to John and finish. John chapter 19 again. As you're getting there, hold that for me for a second. I want to read you something that I thought was very powerful did you know that the the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually his death his life and his resurrection is considered to be the most verifiable event ever ever I've always told you we don't have to have faith to believe Jesus walked the earth it's a fact don't have to have faith to believe that jesus christ died on the cross it's a fact it's a historical fact the only thing we really have to have belief for is what to believe he rose from the dead that's really where the faith comes in the rest is historical but and we know that by the fact that we live in 2016 a.d for christians for believers it's not a.d it's a.r after resurrection amen Amen? but he changed the course of history when he came to this earth I want to read this to you. Two of the world's greatest legal minds. Okay? Two of the world's greatest legal minds. Some of you might know who they are. I didn't. Some of you who've been in school recently might. One was named Sir Lionel who. And a matter of fact, he just died a few years ago. Was considered one of the greatest lawyers in British history. Probably anybody who ever, ever did any kind of um, law stuff would know this possibly. He's recorded in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's most successful advocate. Y'all with me? I know it's Wednesday night. Pay attention. Don't start thinking about what you got to eat later, what you got to do later. This is important. With 245 consecutive murder acquittals. Guinness Book of World Record. 245 consecutive murder acquittals. That's how good he was. He was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II. After, sorry, twice, I missed that part. He was knighted twice. After his completion, complete, sorry, examination of the facts, he said, I humbly add that I have spent more than 42 years as a defense lawyer appearing in many parts of the world this is his words and I say unequivocally the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt now we don't I don't need this to believe I'm just giving you something to build your faith this is a man who is the Guinness Book of World Records. He know, he's an advocate, he's a lawyer. Because you know what the world tries to tell us? The world tries to tell us that we're stupid for believing these things. Well, it sounds to me like they're stupid. Because the Bible says only a fool says in his heart that there is no God. The other one is Simon Greenleaf. 1783 to 1853. Anybody ever heard of Harvard? Harvard Law School? He founded it one of the founders of Harvard Law School Simon Greenleaf here's what he says he authored the authoritative three volume te- uh, text a treatise on the law of evidence so we're talking about evidence here okay? which is still considered the greatest single authority on evidence ever written on legal procedure Greenleaf literally wrote the rules of evidence for the US legal system he was certainly a man who knew, to, who knew how to weigh the facts y'all still here? Greenleaf Greenleaf was an atheist until he accepted a challenge by his students to investigate the case of Christ's resurrection. How many saw the movie God's Not Dead? The new one's coming out in a couple days. Go see it. Go spend your money. Instead of going to some place to eat, go to that movie. Thank you for that one lonely amen. We need to support these movies, Church and says he, he was an atheist so he went to investigate this after personally collecting and examining the evidence based on rules of evidence that he helped establish so he used those same rules that are in law school Greenleaf became a Christian and wrote the classic book Testimony of the Evangelists and after thorough investigation of the resurrection concluded this watch this Simon Greenleaf co-founder of Harvard the resurrection of Christ listen is the most verifiable fact of ancient history the most verifiable fact of ancient history how many believe testimony of the evangelists the most verifiable book of the New Testament sorry of the world or event, sorry let's, let's close 38 actually, I'm going to have to pass I'm, no, I, I can't 38 after this this is right after we said they should look on him from Zechariah Joseph of Arimathea, a very rich man being a disciple of Jesus but secretly for fear of the Jews asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus and Pilate gave him permission so he came and took the body of Jesus this is off the cross. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, if you remember Nicodemus from John chapter 3, also came, watch this, this is amazing, Bring a mixture of myrrh and alloys of about 100 that's a hundred pounds. That's a lot of stuff. They took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as is the custom of the Jews, to bury And now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, this is Joseph's tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. So there there laid Jesus, because of the Jews' preparation preparation date for the tomb, was nearby now, verse 1, on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved. Now watch this closely if you ever think that you've doubted or you feel bad because you don't so always believe or your faith gets attacked or you feel like it's a little down, just join the club. Because Mary Magdalene came out of the tomb or came out and said, who, who, who Jesus loved, came out and said, He's risen. He did what He said He was going to do. He's not there. Let's go preach. That's not what she said. She said, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. They were right there watching Jesus do the miracles. They were right there watching him say, Lazarus, come forth. They were right there saying, stand up to a paralytic for 40-something years at the water, and he stood up. They were there when he put mud on a blind man's eyes and he had sight. They saw all these miracles that you and I have never seen. And the day came and they didn't even go to the grave, even with the slightest expectation like, hey, she didn't come out and say, hey, man, I went in thinking I was going to see, you know, that he wasn't going to be there. But she didn't even say that. She just said, he's not there. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That she's saying he's not there. Duh. He's not there because he said he wasn't going to be there. But she wasn't saying he's not there because he's not there. She was saying he's not there because they took him somewhere. And I don't know where they put the body. She didn't even believe. That's crazy to me. Mary Magdalene. So. Watch this. This is, this is kind of funny. Peter, therefore, went out. And the other disciple. That's John because he's writing the book but he doesn't even mention himself. And they were going to go to the tomb. This is a funny verse. I like how God throws this kind of stuff in. He says, so they both ran together. They ran. And the other disciple outran Peter. There had to have been some kind of competitive thing going on with Peter and John that at that moment he had to throw in, I beat him, by the way, to the tomb. Just in case there's any doubt that I'm important to. Peter's going to take over. He's going to become the rock. But that other disciple outran him to the tomb. And came to, yeah, came to the tomb first. Watch this. This is where I'm going to get to close. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there yet he did not go in then Simon Peter came following and went into the tomb and he saw what did he see did he see Jesus he saw the linen cloths lying there watch this Both saw the same they were both looking at the same thing both looking even though John was afraid to go in they both saw linens but Peter saw something there and it says watch this this is powerful and the handkerchief some words say napkin some translations but basically this is a thing that they would wrap a dead person's head in like a tunic and the handkerchief, watch this, that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together by itself. Now, follow this with me. They're going to the tomb and they look in there. And they don't see Jesus' body, but they see the linen. Now, if somebody was going to go and rob Jesus' body, you think they'd have time? to unwrap his body his dead brutally beaten bloody body do you think they hey we got to get him out but we got to leave the linen here and we got to fold it up make sure it looks good there's no way they would have grabbed that dead body and they'd ran watch this this is for your faith and even more than just seeing the linen, the thing says that he had a head cloth there. Which shows something even greater. Because they'd have been really afraid if they did take the dead body, if they did grab Jesus' body, they definitely would have had left his head covered. Because everybody knew that face now. Because he had just died on the cross and he was, he was being condemned all over Jerusalem. They definitely would have left the head thing on. But, I studied this out a little bit and come to find out it wasn't just like folded like you'd think folded. It was basically, they say, scholars say, sitting in the position as though a head were still in it. And the linens were laying there still as if a body was in it. Almost like he just rose from the dead. Almost like he didn't like get up and unwrap himself. Almost like he just supernaturally rose from the dead. And left that stuff in that tomb. For them to find it. And when he's musicians, you can come. When he saw the linen Peter believed. He had a revelation. He said, oh boy. Something, 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 something's good. Something good's going on here. Even though, even though we know that he still had some, 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 some making up to do. Now, finish this with me. Y'all still with me? The handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, meaning that there was on purpose that they were not touching. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. <coughs> Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and watch this, and he saw, and what? And believed. For they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, we thank you for the fact that we believe tonight. God what what an amazing book of your word we have in our hands what a miracle what a blessing to be in this day and age of the age of grace Lord every single one of us is Barabbas we either choose to reject that salvation or accept it every man and woman in the world is Barabbas Some will take that freedom and go back out and do the same sin again. And many, thank God, will say, God, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me.